0: Hi, this is Rekafet Abergel. I'm the writer, producer, director, and star of Boo. And you are listening to Without Your Head.
1: the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Tris- Tristan. And we're joined by Aaron Barokas. It's very cool to have you here. Oh, I'm happy to
2: be here. Yes. I wish I had like an A, like an A word mm. to go before my name, but none of them are good. Yeah, A's a hard one. We'll have to think I'm about it. If
1: anyone me. watching has an idea, they can send it in. <laughs> when we'll know about it after we post it. Days Perfect. Before or something, All right? Yeah. Uh, first of all, everyone
2: know, Halfcock's going to be playing at Shriekfest. Yeah. So um, it's actually, I think it's probably going to be its final uh, theatrical uh, showing. Because uh, we started right before the, uh, before the pandemic hit. And so we had this good kind of half-year run. And we had planned to have it keep going. And then everything stopped. The world just paused. And so we had a few digital screenings, but for a comedy that's really it's not the same as having people in a theater which which at the same time i like I kind of don't want to for the most part promote a ton of people getting together in a theater right now, but for a comedy, it's so much better to have people laughing together and because it's contagious because the one joke that somebody totally misses another portion of the theater will catch and start laughing at
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I always uh, say on the show, comedy and horror are the two best things to watch uh, with an audience because mm-hmm. uh, of the interaction. You don't want to sit around and, and, and cry with each other, you know, watching.
2: And just just pure escapism. Exactly. I agree with you. It's tough to watch. A, a drama is something that's internalized, something that's, you know, it's better to watch something that has big reactions that you're asking for, you know, you're asking for crowd engagement. mm mm-hmm.
1: That's interesting. The that Halfcock, it had uh, the life at the festivals before the pandemic, during it, and it still has some life after the pandemic. Well, it's kind of like the lead character in it. Ooh, not necessarily cool. after the pandemic, but one thing they <laughs> turn over. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I don't know when after the pandemic is. Right. right. Uh, that could be a while.
1: Right. Yes. Uh, especially with uh, people refusing to uh, do anything. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately.
2: Yeah. So, how did Halfcock all come about? So most of my uh, type of writing, especially I do a lot, I write a lot of horror comedy, but um, most of it comes from some political interest or political source. I was watching a lot of people in the world. This is around 2018, mid 2018. I was watching a lot of people in the world act against their own best interests. And to me, it's, it's bizarre to watch people just acting in, in a way that will come around, will bite them. And so I thought of the story of a guy who's granted eternal life and all he ever wanted was to be dead. Like he spent his whole life looking forward to death and then these two doctors grant him eternal life, not knowing that. And, you know, what jerks they are (laughs) for for giving him this this one once in a universe gift. Mm -hmm. And so he tries to undo it repeatedly and um it's it's the his his uh plight to end his immortality it's kind of almost like
1: a a less serious version of dead is better from like uh, frankenstein or or, uh, pet cemetery
2: yeah in a way in a way yes it's it definitely it definitely harkens back to frankenstein in a lot of ways of the too much ambition without considering the consequences on the part of the doctors, um, which is, you know, a, a theme in a big theme in the Frankenstein story. But, uh, although in all, in all honesty, I've never seen the movies. Really? I've, I've never, never seen, I've seen the Frankenstein movies. movies no. Interview's over. <laughs> I read the book, but I never saw any of the movies uh, other than young Frankenstein.
1: I'm a big fan of Young Frank. I do remember. I probably said this with the show before, but one one year, I was at a, a festival. Um, well, not a festival. A marathon showed all you know old uh, horror movies, and one of them was Frankenstein. And on my Uber ride home, it was a young. I say, I say, young kid. But he's probably in his twenties. And he's asked what movies, and I was telling Frankenstein. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I remember seeing the real old one. And he started explaining to me, and I, I was like, Oh, he's talking about young Frankenstein. <laughs> and he thought this was the original movie, but I didn't bother. Right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why bother correcting him? Right. Gene Wilder is classic. So. He is. <laughs> <Wilder. Yeah. laughs>
1: well, that's weird, though. Are you a horror movie fan? Like, have
2: you seen other horror movies? I actually, I love horror movies, um, but I grew up on 80s slashers, big time. Uh, and so, you know, for me, it was Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, not so much Friday the 13th, although I'm just coming around to that kind of now. I never was a huge fan of the Friday the 13th series, although now I'm starting to see their charms a little bit more, but, um, that's the stuff, uh, Leprechaun that I, you know, threw up watching and and, and almost anything Stephen King put out at the, you know, put out under his name. Mm -hmm. So...
1: Trista, I did. I thought she was really into that one question, but then I realized she was frozen. But uh, so hopefully she (laughs) she gets back. Oh, I thought she was just put
2: off by the whole idea of not having see Frankenstein. It could be. It could be. I have many
1: Frankenstein's behind me. So and on the shirt actually. So nice. I'm a little pissed. No, I'm just
2: kidding. (laughs) It's interesting though because now you can watch him for the first time. That's true. There's a lot of stuff. I'm watching. I'm watching Zombie for the first time now, which I've never seen. And because uh, I am kind of trying to explore classics to some mm-hmm. degree. And um, zombies, a bizarre movie. Uh, 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 Dario Argento? Argento. Yeah. Some yeah, people Gendo. call it zombie two, but yeah. Yeah. Like a zombie fights a shark and the zombie wins. It's a uh, spoiler, but it's I uh, spoil the movie. Well, I think that's like 10 minutes in, but anyway, um, like 40 years ago, but, yeah. but I'm I'm actually enjoying going back and watching some of the classics. Thanks to shutter. Yeah. Shutter is great that
1: way. Cause it's cool. Cause it's got the classics, a lot of like indie stuff that you, you know, if you don't go to festivals and, you know, come from the festivals and a lot of foreign stuff that, you know, not that long ago would have been really hard to ever see if not for something like shutter. Yeah.
2: And it, what's, I mean, what's very cool is because I've been going around kind of the festivals a little bit lately, the past few years, and you start to see stuff fr- that you saw there showing up and getting an audience in places like Shudder and Prime in general. And that's really cool uh, to go around festivals and then see these people start to break through and doing, you know, getting f- nationwide and international audiences for their stuff. Yeah, because I'm
1: fairly new to the festivals, probably like four years now I started going. I used to do like a lot of conventions and then I think it better fit with the festivals. And that is part of the it's fun to see like, hey, I knew this guy, you know, I met him at the festival and now his movies coming on Shutter. And you feel even if you, you know, you just met him or something, but you feel a connection to that. Like, hey, that's really cool. This guy's thing's doing well. Yeah,
2: especially like especially if they're like nice people, you know, or people that you really want to see something happen for them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's great. It's, you get to follow people's journeys in a way. Definitely. So half cocked is your, was that your first thing you directed? So I guess it was my first short film that I directed. I used to do like, I, I used to years ago as a producer on the soup. And so I was doing weekly comedy sketches for them, Mm -hmm. but, and you know, but that was like, okay, well, we've got a location set. We've got, you know, you're using these three writers as your actors and go out with, you know, a camera and a skeleton crew and you have three hours to shoot this bit. And so I guess half cut was the first thing that was actually staged like a production where we had multiple, you know, multiple locations, multiple setups and, having uh, Sophia Cassiola and Mike Epstein as the two producers, they brought in a very professional and, you know, weathered crew that was able to handle it. Hello, (laughs) welcome back. That was able to, you know, make it into a film rather than something that I was running around with the camera with, you know, running, running my own audio and uh, and trying to get on TV the next day.
1: Good to have Trista back. I had thought you were really into an, uh, one of the questions because we were froze there, just looking very <laughs> riveted. <it in. laughs> yes, and Aaron was 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 hoping you didn't just hang up because of the fr- not watching. <laughs> 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 but uh, Aaron, just uh, when you came in, was talking about um, directing as you know, his first short, and with Michael and Sophia. So I was wondering, did you know Michael and Sophia
2: before that? me okay um (laughs) yeah um so i met them in 2018 at uh genre blast when they were showing their movie clickbait that had just come out which is not to be confused with the current netflix series which no slight to the current netflix series i won't like negative about a current thing on the air but their thing is much funnier and more entertaining by by far and i saw like 20 minutes of the current series so i can judge but their thing is much more entertaining and um so i met them there and then we wound up working together on uh so there was a a short film that went around last year called boo by rakefed uh uh, so i'm just destroying people's last names today um but uh, we met on like a promo shoot for that again, and we talked about the idea of shooting half-cocked. And I'd given them the script, and they were into it. And uh, so we all got together. we planned to wait to kind of make it happen. and we're casting, and they said, you know, Pat Healy lives in our building, who's like this, you know, rather a successful and rather you know well known and kind of excellent indie film actor who who's worked in major films and small films and always kind of has this very trademark very unique way of presenting himself they said would you would you like us to ask him and he, yes absolutely And uh, and so he came aboard and that kind of made a huge difference. And he helped cast the rest of it as well. He helped us find London Boyd, who went on to play uh, Rudy and uh, who nobody else, I think, could have played that role any better, any more like intelligently than London did, because he really he really took it at a very intellectual level and that helped the comedy tremendously. And then uh, Vanessa. Uh, was an open call, and nobody made us like we watched probably 200 uh, casting tapes, and nobody made us laugh anywhere near what Vanessa did. Like we were on the floor and I brought it to my wife, and she was on the floor laughing. So, and everybody else felt exactly the same way. So we wound up with this, what I think was this fantastic three-person cast.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, do you have a
2: question?
0: Yeah, I don't know if you covered this in my absence or not, but I'm a big fan of sitting ducks. So, can you talk about that?
1: Well, oh, thank
2: you. I am. A, um, <laughs> I, I, am a, I am
1: team trusted here.
2: I appreciate that. Um, so we had so after half cop, um, I brought this script to Sophia. I said, "So, I got one more script for you. This is before the pandemic, and it's odd because the script is about a couple who've both been working from home, and." the wife can no longer stand the presence of her husband. And it wasn't anywhere near as prescient at the time that I wrote it. And we were going to shoot it in like March of 2020. And we were going to shoot it the weekend that the world stopped. And then, um, and then somebody, uh, every everybody started saying, this is not going to be safe. And I called it at the last minute, the Thursday. We're supposed to shoot on Saturday. On Thursday, I called it. I said, we can't do this. Uh, this is too unsafe, and it breaks my heart. And I didn't think we were going to shoot it. I said, we're going to put it off until you know till things are more chill, and they weren't. The world just stopped for a year, and I just assumed we weren't going to shoot it again. And we had cast kind of one of my childhood heroes Tuesday night in it, and just pure coincidence. She, she wound up, you know, uh, submitting to this project. And, uh, and like Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was the first movie I was allowed to rent on VHS or the first horror movie I was allowed to rent on VHS. It kind of introduced me into the world of horror comedy. And so to shoot a movie with her, was like the coolest thing ever. And then it was paused for a year and I was heart wrenched. And then when it was paused for a year, the whole world began to echo the thing that I had written about. I was like, oh my God, if we had shot this and I could have released this during the pandemic, it would have made sense to everybody. But then uh, we started planning it around uh, the idea of a a world now. And so there's a newscast in it, if you look closely where they're talking about um, In the background where they're talking about schools reopening and uh, life perhaps getting back to normal, what that will look like, and there are people in masks in it, and it does feel more like something that I think a lot of people now really can relate to. Because I know so many people who who did have to work with their spouses at the same table for a year, and they just sat there for a year and they worked together and they'd never seen their spouse at work before. They'd never known what kind of personality uh, their their partner had outside of the home, and they saw whole new sides to them. Um, and so, and. I, I kind of joke that it's autobiographical, that my wife wants to do this to me, but I'm also kind of not joking because she does want to kill me. And the idea, there's a scene where uh, where uh, the husband is up on a ladder and he's on this like, it, the film doesn't do it justice. It's actually like 20 feet off the ground, the smoke detector that's in my house. And the whole idea for the movie came when my father-in-law was holding the ladder for me to change the smoke detector and i said to him michael here's your chance nobody'll ask a question <laughs> <laughs> and and but the movie grew out of that one moment um and now that and that's out there like, oh, she
1: she can't you know uh, knock you off
2: because now people will know <laughs> she can't and it turned out it just it turned out you know i was really happy she was wonderful and she played off michael king fantastically and he just he just killed it as this Truly unbearable human being that <laughs> nobody would want to be around, and I, I, I don't need like I don't I I feel bad that I saw that in him. It's <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: right. wrong. Yeah.
2: He's a very nice gentleman, I like him very much. <laughs> but but he just killed it.
1: Yeah. Uh, what is it about uh, horror comedy that is appealing to you?
2: Um, as we were saying, I think we were talking about this right before, right before we went live, but the idea, these are the two most, um, escapist, these are the two most escapist genres is, um, horror and comedy, something that, something that takes you so far out of the real world, but you can still do a lot, you can still say a lot, you can comment on quite a bit in, you know, the form of analogy, but you are, but you are, um, not in you. You're getting out of your life. You're just experiencing joy, and it's like childhood, like you're experiencing these fairy tale fantasy stories that nobody would ever. You wouldn't just walk down the street and see a zombie eating somebody, or you know, I mean, you really might see see a wife trying to murder her husband, but not half as comedically <laughs> as as ours do, and um, and it gives you an excuse to. Turn off your brain in many ways, and maybe just turn on a different part of your brain that that can just go back to that you know enjoying fiction at at a level that does not necessarily have to be you know cerebral at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of you you know you brought up a couple times was like uh, you are watching some of the classic horror movies that you didn't uh, see you know before. Uh, So what kind of movies did you watch when you were growing up that made you want to become a a filmmaker or work in films? (laughs)
2: Um, well, I, I love it. it, Comedies and horrors. I mean, horrors, I was an eighties kid. So it was a slasher movies, Halloween, anything, anything, Michael Myers, even the bad Michael Myers, although some of those are, are tough to watch now, but, um, but like most of the Halloween movies I loved growing up, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, uh, I at one point probably had them all memorized and uh, which is sounds weird, but I, I just like movies. Um, and then, uh, and then, like I was saying, uh, Friday the 13th, I didn't get into as much as a kid. Now I'm starting to kind of come around and see some of his charms, but as a kid, it just didn't, it never hit me because it was so on the nose, just this one guy trying to kill people over and over again. Um, now I see some of the, some of the nuances, some of the comedy that's there, but yeah, um, but uh, stuff like uh, also just classic 80 movies like Three O'clock High, if you've ever seen that, with, uh, where where they just take a camera and they make it into a character in the movie, and it's like a it's like a study in comedy filmmaking, and anything that would anything that was actively trying to make me laugh. You
1: said some of the bad uh, Halloweens. I've I've always said instead of all these direct sequels to the first Halloween, I want a direct sequel to Part Six because we <laughs> never, we never had a payoff of whoa, what's going on here. It just well,
2: ends, and then they reboot the whole series. I think the last time I saw Part Six was when it came. I haven't had it in me to ever rewatch Part Six because what? I was I so watch weird.
1: it all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe I owe
1: it a rewatch it's not particularly good, but, but from four to six, it kind of had a storyline going and like, he was like, do you think Michael's like satanic or something? And then it just ends and then it goes to H2O. So you you never know
2: what happened. Which that blew my mind in the theater seeing H2O. That was a really cool Halloween film that I felt I got to watch. Like as, you know, at that point, like as a grown up, not seeing it like after the fact on VHS, but, but going into the theater and seeing, you know, I almost gave away a spoiler for a 20-year-old movie, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Uh, That No, I like it, too, and it's weird because it's kind of like
1: now it's cool to hate H2O, and I remember when it came out, most people liked it, but now it's like cool to say it's really bad. I don't know. It's It's almost reverse of Halloween 3. When I was a kid, I was the only person who
2: liked it. Now it's like everyone likes it. Some movies do that. Uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 turned around. Now everybody can kind of appreciate it. Halloween three. I always liked Halloween three as well, but yeah, people, that was the one that people always, it was just like popular to hate because it wasn't Michael Myers, but uh, H2O, I did watch it again recently and it's definitely dated. Now you definitely feel it's dated, but it's still such a fun movie. I can't see hating that movie. I can't see really knocking it. It's just, it's just pure fun. It's silliness. And Jamie Lee Curtis is just never not awesome.
1: So. Yeah,
2: the follow-up
1: not so much. Resurrection.
2: <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a great movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, uh, sitting duck. Uh, Michael and Sophia are both in it. Uh, Sophia's great as as the as a cop. Uh, and uh, and what was what's my uh, One of their characters refers to Michael. Not to give away the movie, but uh, mo- if some Mohawk mo- butt hair, I believe. Mohawk butt hair. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Where does that? Where did that come from? I've I've not heard uh, that. Uh,
2: <laughs> Just looking for for a unique insult because he wasn't originally, you know, it wasn't it wasn't originally necessarily written for him to play that role. But then, and it was some other insult in the script. But once he got like, well, he had a reference to Mohawk. And,
1: <laughs> and butt hair. And, you know, and, and those and, are the two
2: things we always think about when we think of Michael. I feel like that came from, honestly, I feel like that came from Henry Rollins in the pro somewhere. He called somebody a butt hair or something like that. I,
1: I but, do approve, honestly, all kidding aside because I, I like uh, sillier uh, insults instead of the, the basic things. <laughs>
2: I and think if you're gonna write really something better. into, if you're gonna write something into this, into a script, it should have some, you know, something that isn't words words you hear every single day. Right. I think, If you're writing a comedy. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, another question.
0: Do you have any other upcoming projects you want to talk about?
2: Okay, I do. <laughs> But so I just finished writing. So i had done this, written this short, and it's not a horror comedy. It was just straight out like horror, maybe thriller called Airbnb Blood that uh, I'd sent around as a 26 page, which is extremely long for a short, but a 26 page short that I sent around to the festivals and kind of did well. And so I wrote it into a feature. And so now I'm sitting on this script that I actually love. And it's like kind of my favorite, one of my favorite things that I've ever written that, uh, is like this limited location, uh, of, um, all female protagonist and antagonist feature. And it's super fun, super scary. And, um, and so now I'm actually actively trying to bring attention to that and, and, get people find people who want to read it and who might even be interested in producing it so that's my next my next thing and then other than that i just got a cool new job editing the show tuning out the news for paramount plus which is which is up for up for for an emmy this weekend oh wow But, but i i wasn't on it when it was nominated so So I can't take any credit. It it stands to reason that like had I been on it, it may not have been nominated. And if it
1: doesn't get nominated (laughs) next time, (laughs) we know who's responsible. Uh, a couple things there first of all you said uh get people interested and you know read it and everything so how would people go about to do that like uh, how would they find it they're getting in touch yeah
2: with i wish i knew what anybody can reach out to me at you know you can go to aaronbarocas.com and follow and there's a contact page there you can you can uh email me if i say it does it get written like so i don't understand youtube or zoom no, I know, but I could I could edit it into here and put it up. Okay, cool. So anyone could email me at arnsparokus Just just put the s in because there's a kid in Texas who beat me to my Gmail address, and he's like a teenager, so I guess his parents bought it for him because I got this in two thousand nine and it was already taken. But um, but he beat me to my email address and to Twitter. Really? And so if you, you, you take Google this guy now. Him, And he's he's kind of he's kind of obnoxious on Twitter. (laughs) He says quotes like like if you ain't got the sauce but you can get lost in the sauce. Anyway, so I'm gonna go follow uh, this kid, he seems pretty cool. But if you Google me, he's there like, like making it look like I wrote these things on Twitter. And so he's the one who, if you write Aaron Barocas at gmail.com, he'll get it. He's gotten job offers for me in the past. He's got like confidential materials, um, tax information. If he wanted to, like if he ever got in legal trouble, he could probably not have to do anything other than go through his emails to fully assume my identity and just live through the rest of his life as me. That could be the next movie. Yeah, I like.
1: Long I far, what short, PS
2: in the middle. Yeah,
1: I wonder what should be cooler if he like, or not necessarily cool. I don't know what the word is, but if he posts like really obnoxious stuff, or if he really posted great stuff, because then it's like that everyone, would be everyone cool. thinks this guy's me. But he's like, way yeah, cooler, if, he, so. if he was
2: like, hey, I won another Nobel Prize, <laughs> it wouldn't be, you know,
1: yeah. cancer again. I
2: don't know.
1: Cool. The, old, the only other Neil Jones that spells his name the same way is an actor from. Um, um, well, now I forgot. I'm going to blank on Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. There we go. And one cool. time, someone a- did message me on Facebook. Want to know if I would do an interview? And then I real, Then I found out when they were at, the more they asked me, it was for Dirty Dancing, and I was like, "You got the wrong person."
2: Did this happen mid interview or prior to the? Interview? No,
1: it was it was a mess. That would have been pretty awesome. That would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> then they just hang up. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah, the interview didn't happen. But the other thing I wanted to ask was about editing because um, some people, you know, really dislike editing. And so what is it, what drew you to editing and why do you think some
2: people aren't into it? Well, I mean... The thi- OK, being an editor for because I'm an editor for a career and it's tough because sometimes you love what you're working on. You're doing something super fun. Like right now, like I mentioned, doing tuning out the news, which is super fun. It's a comedy series. That's great. I've been on shows that are dreadful. And you have to watch the footage day in, day out, hour. I mean, over and over hours and hours of it. And sometimes uh, you're on a show where you're doing something that's completely repetitive where like, okay, well now I'm cutting to the audience laughing again. And like you're faking the audience laughing because you're reacting to stuff that isn't funny. And, uh, and there is times when it's a truly uh, and you're ultimately responsible for everything in the end, whatever happens, the delivery of the show, no matter what everybody else did, the delivery of the show is on you. And the lower the budget show, the more responsibility you have. So whereas, you know, on the highest budget stuff I've ever worked on, I just throw things together. I do my edit and then hand it off. And somebody colors it. Somebody does a sound design and the sound mix. And then it's fantastic. The lowest budget shows I've been on, I'm coloring, I'm doing the sound design, and then everything that can go wrong is in my hands. And it will go, I will, like, I just will screw up somewhere. That's just, you know, what, what, what people do. We screw up. And, um, and uh, as, far as as far as when I was 10, I kind of wanted to be an editor, though. Like I saw what the role was in filmmaking and I wanted to I wanted to be part of that molding process. And when I was working as a producer on like basic cable comedy stuff, I was so hands-on that my editors would leave for the night and I didn't know how to use Avid at the time. They would leave for the night and I would go on their machines and make what I wanted to happen with the show happen. And that's kind of how I taught myself to edit was on shows that were literally airing the next day. And I liked having, I was like a micromanager in that sense, but I didn't have to be a dick to somebody else to be a micromanager because I could make it happen myself. And I liked that. And so I wound up leaning towards that. And a lot of times it's really rewarding. Uh, A lot of times there's shows that you work on that, that feel really good to have put them together in the way that they were. And I've seen, you know, I've seen people win awards for stuff that I've edited. And I've taken a lot of pride in saying, like, I'm really glad that, like, I could help make that come together in the way that it did. That worked for so many people. And, um, and one project that I'm excited that I'm editing right now actually stars Neil Jones, and it's uh, it's called oh, the once and future Things Smash. have really
1: gone bad for you. Oh, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> And uh, that's also produced by Sophia Cassiola and Mike Epstein. And um, and that's a like a really fun documentary about as you know, this film that uh, that existed like 20, 30 years ago that barely anybody had heard of, where the stars get to uh, get to meet up and it happened, this meetup happened once again the weekend before the pandemic hit. and right before everything closed down it's insane like i you know like i watched this footage that it was like the last weekend in february of 2020 or something or the first weekend in march and everybody's packed together in this uh at this convention and uh and it's it's actually it's actually crazy to watch that nobody knows that everything is just about to pause but um, but I'm glad that it happened that weekend that that meetup happened that weekend, so that we were able to get this awesome documentary footage to put together this uh, this reunion of these two characters that played the same role.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the finished part and uh, also big thanks to Mad Monster and Eben McGar for letting us giving us full uh, reign at the uh, at the convention to get the footage. Good absolutely, guy.
2: absolutely. Kind of looked like you guys had full full, you know, access to a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And almost everyone there, well, everyone there was very accommodating. It was a, it was a good time. So uh, d- um, about the editing, do you edit your own uh, stuff? Do you edit your own? Yeah.
2: Short- yeah. And that's not out of preference necessarily. That's just because if I was overseeing the edit and it was somebody else editing, I would they would physically dab- hurt me. I would not be able to, I'm completely neurotic about post and about uh, how everything has to be. And um, you can ask Sophie and Mike, I send them 30 emails a day during the post process. If somebody else was doing this, they would just they would just stand up and they'd just throw my footage in my face and walk away after 10 minutes. And the movie I saw that you were in, Uh, Echoes, Echoes of Fear, correct? Mm -hmm. Which I was just mentioning earlier that I saw that in 2018 at Shriekfest and um, like at the, I think, world premiere of it, which was and later on, I got a chance to meet uh, the Eminent Bradleys. And uh, that was just a really cool, fantastic film. And I didn't know that he was the sole editor on it. But uh,
1: but the post on that was awesome. Yeah, I loved it too. For people, that's you know, how uh, Tristan and I met was through that movie. And uh, people who haven't seen it should definitely uh, go check it out. And it's very cool because it's still playing, uh, getting new releases around the world. Very
2: cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Where did you just see recently? Like it was opening in like it had like a new opening in like Prague or something. Indonesia. Indonesia. Now,
0: yeah. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm excited about our, our new film as well. The Avenue Bradleys are hugely talented uh people. And uh hopefully we can all meet up sometime soon. Yeah, I'd yeah.
2: love that. Sorry uh, to confuse Prague with Indonesia, by the way.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a
2: common thing, yeah. Uh
1: how about uh, the, the transformations of the transformations of Doctors Jenkins, which I believe just premiered at genre blast.
2: I love that movie. That is such a cool movie that, uh, that I, I guess it was Bob Rose and uh, Stephen Stowe, Sophia and Mike and Kate McCoy. And, and am I leaving anybody out from that uh, directing producing team? But. Is
0: Liesel involved in that? Liesel?
2: Yeah, I believe so. I Liesl. Believe so.
1: Yeah, Liesel. Yep. Yeah, she is. Yeah. I, I, believe believe so. there's, I did a Q and A thing for it. She's in.
2: Yeah. There's a cast of thousands. They um, what they did. Was I was too, but then to... I dropped
1: out because I, <laughs> really? I'm very bad at uh, at going through
2: completing things. But yes. So wait, so you were so you were part supposed to be part of it, and you didn't you didn't wind up shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a shame. It was a, that would have been that would have been a fun segment. Um, they sent the same script to everybody, and I guess we weren't supposed to know that everyone had the same. We were supposed to think that it was part of a consecutive movie. And that we're supposed to shoot these two pages that were intentionally written confusingly. Like they were intentionally written as a director's nightmare where there were two characters with the same name and it didn't specify which was which state, you know, um, blocking was rather confusingly written and it just left so much up to chance that I will admit, I was not like a lot of people thought that they were shooting something in a consecutive, the second I saw the script, I'm like, okay, they sent this to everybody and it's brilliant. <laughs> and so I shot it kind of assuming that everybody was shooting some version of this, but that wasn't the commonly held belief. And, uh, and they had this like uh, premiere that I believe you emceed that, um, Neil, that uh, had uh, everybody dropping their jaws when they realized that they all shot the same scene. And it's kind of brilliant, and it and the mostly most people involved are very creative filmmakers. So it was cool to see everybody's take on this one, two-page bizarrely written uh, science fiction style theme. Mm-hmm. It is it is uh,
1: the whole idea behind it's great, and uh, it's very fun to watch. I'm, I'm I'm curious when the audience first realizes what's going on. Like, is it right? Or the the, the second clip, you know, because they don't really tell you. It, it's, it's very interesting.
2: I would guess you'd have to be like three in before you re- wait a second, because there's also different than the second scene. You might not even realize that the dialogue's all the same. But by the third time, wait a minute, this is, you know. How long is this? How many times am I going to watch this? (laughs) (laughs) But but it really gets brought to life in such a cool way, and everybody—it's really—it's. They do do a good job cutting it up so it isn't monotonous. They do, and 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 they play characters in it themselves, and uh, it's just super creative in in on every level. It's just it's like a pure exercise in create in creativity and to some degree, it's like a talent show because you get to see people use sock puppets. You get to see people who've never picked up a camera before shooting something on their, on their cell phone. And then you see weathered filmmakers who are, you know, shooting it with what would be like a, a, a budget, you know, just because of the equipment they have in their home. And so it's, it's a cool experience of a movie. And if you ever get the opera, I would suggest watching it with an audience,
1: which I have not had a chance to do that, but I think that it'll be definitely fun to watch with, uh, with with people to to get their reactions. I I think there would be, and this isn't knocked any, but I bet there'll be some bad reactions. And it would just be interesting to get everyone's reaction.
2: Yeah, on, yeah i i mean of course there could be bad reactions to it i could i could i could i don't think that, it's gonna be
1: something for everybody but i do think at festivals it'll probably be more uh fitting because the people would probably be more into movies obviously it's and it's probably gonna be more and things, yeah,
2: yeah it, it's for people who want to see something different for people who who aren't immediately put off like oh this isn't this isn't what i'm used to well that right. pisses me off <laughs>
1: Yeah, which happens, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> It does, yeah. But I did want to mention, too, uh, for Halfcocked is uh, the effects were by
2: Joe Castro. And uh, w- w- what was he like to work with? He's a very fun guy. Oh, my gosh, he's amazing. So, so yeah, there was a, there was a lot of talent in Joe Castro. And I'm going to get around to Catherine Capozzi at some point because – I can't not mention her. She's just She's incredible. Impressive. But Joe was another catch that, like Sophia and Mike, were like, "Hey, we're 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 from, we have some connection with Joe Castro. We can reach out if you'd like to." And I looked at his IMDb, and it's a novel. I mean, if you <laughs> look up Joe Castro IMDb, it's like, and so many recognizable films on it. And he loves working with practical effects. He does digital stuff too, but he absolutely loves. I like his enthusiasm for blood is bizarre. Like if you just start talking to him about blood in five minutes, you are uncomfortable. Um, but you know, he like the first meeting with him, he uh, he he was like. Amped up and telling us, okay. So I'm thinking we put some fire hydrants and we have the blood <laughs> spraying out of fire hydrants. But <laughs> like, well, what would this blood made of? I can't tell you that. That's a secret. <laughs> and we actually did that. In the end, we actually had him. Uh, we had him wired up with fire hydrants <laughs> running up and down. And Joe goes, "Okay, we get to do this once." I'm like, "Okay, let's get three cameras on. Let's do it." And <laughs> The blood starts, and I mean, it's such a fun spectacle working with him. And even though, like, even in, in, and he actually did a lot, he, he did all the makeup on uh, Rudy Collins as well, which he had planned this evolution because Rudy, Rudy Collins in the movie starts as uh, just playing out dead, dead, and then he comes to life more, but then he gets horrifically injured repeatedly, and then I can't say what happens after that if you haven't seen the sure. but, movie. Um, but there were so many different stages of near death, post-death, uh, alive, and very injured that he it was like a continuity challenge for where in his makeup it was. And Joe kept constant track of that, even though we weren't shooting anywhere near in order, but Joe kept constant track of that. And, uh, was pretty fantastic about creating this bizarre zombie makeup that had, like, bits of road stuck in his face and and chunks of rain falling out of his head. And um, so there was the gore as well as the makeup, and... He was just pure enthusiasm through the whole thing. He called me up, uh, the night before we shot, he called me up like 11.30 p.m. and started asking me, so how thick should this blood be? Can it be a little bit black too? Because he's been dead, like he's a zombie and his blood has turned a little bit black. You know what? I think it'd be funny if it was mostly red blood just for the effect. Okay, so we're going to do red blood, but really thick, really thick red blood. And like even sitting duck, he started talking to me about the viscosity, and there's one, I can't really talk about what it is too much, but there's one really serious um, blood effect in Sitting Duck. And even though it was kind of a minor, like, it was one effect, after Half Cop, I absolutely had to have Joe do the blood effect. So, um, same thing. He came out, he's like, well, I want to make it like a 70s movie blood. And if you look at it, it really is. Uh, the blood is like a 70s movie in the way that it's, like, thick and it it's a little darker and uh, and he's just pure pure happiness and enthusiasm about blood and gore and death and um, and he's brilliant at what he does I work with him any day of the
1: week and uh, you also said you wanted to mention uh, mention Catherine Kapatis
2: wait did I just say her name wrong have I been saying her name wrong for
1: oh I uh, that's how most people say, it. but she she oh, she's okay. always impressed. By the way, I say well,
2: I'm saying Capazzi. Well, now half a yeah,
1: because
2: I've been saying kapozzi. But um, okay, so Catherine is another person who we brought on for half cocked, and she did an incredible score for that, kind of independently, and we didn't work as closely together on half cocked as which I I love what she created on that, but when we did sitting duck we had constant back and forth because uh, we talked about this a year in advance and as we were doing the score there was this constant like working through it and working through what we were trying to create and she created this really cool kind of textured and layered sound because she's a rock musician like she is a brilliant rock musician and uh she's a, a fantastic guitarist but she's also an amazing composer and her stuff just sounds wonderful to hear. And I love this. In the end, like like it's a weird thing to be proud of the score of your movie because it's the one thing that you can't have anything to do with. I don't even really understand music very well. I love music, but I don't know anything about it. I've never been a musician and I can't talk to musicians in terms of music. All I can talk about is the energy, the vibe. I can say, make it sound like this, make it sound like that. And beyond that, I'm well out of my depth of knowledge. And so there's a limit on what I am able to communicate. And so I I can take zero credit when like for long score, but still be so proud of what she created and that it's in this film that I'm happy with. So she's the absolute best. Definitely. Agree. I'm a rambler. Sorry.
1: No, excellent. I, I agree. I'm a big fan as well. And it's cool. Cause all these people are people, uh, both well, all three of us know, and uh, they worked on various things with, and, uh, that's also what I like about the festivals. Cause you get to uh, meet people and eventually, you know, you might be able to work with them.
2: It was, I mean, that's, that was cool about, even in half cop, um where who we mentioned has oh, a, right. she's uh, got the is the jacks she has a cameo playing her role jacks from her short jackson love that went around it's like such inside baseball but it plays if you don't know she's jacks the scene still plays yeah. but it's a really nice nod for those who were you know on the festival circuit at that point in time and saw this movie play at every horror film festival
1: yeah I'm very jealous of her award. She won a, a, a it was like a trophy and it's like a horror hamburger. You know, I tried to steal it. It was at a happenstance horror festival here in Massachusetts. That's where I met her for the first time. Sounds fun. Yeah, it was very cool. Very jealous. But uh, Trista, do you have uh, another question?
0: I'm always interested in what scares horror creators. So do you have any fears or phobias you feel comfortable sharing?
2: I'm all fears and phobias. Like I'm very little <laughs> else. I'm I'm like like this my, is my personality. <laughs> <to this question. laughs> Myself is like 90% <laughs> fear. And um, part of that is I'm a parent. I have a, I have a four-year-old. So when you're a parent, any any fears that you had before that just quadruple. But also, like, I'm just now starting to appreciate spiders. I spent my whole life as an arachnophobic, thanks to the movie Arachnophobia, which I saw in theaters, and it just, and it was like my mother's friend took me to see it, and she shouldn't have totally messed me up. I was, uh, I was, I was definitely too young to be seeing that movie, and it, it, it made me an arachnophobic for my entire life. Until recently, there's a Facebook page called, a Facebook group called All Bugs Go to Kevin that is like all people who appreciate bugs and spiders. And I found it and then I'm like, well, I can't, like, I can't believe, like, I feel like a bad person at this point. If I, if I injure a spider, I feel like I have to kind of relocate them very nicely now. And it's weird to me now that people just go around killing bugs left and right, just comfortably murdering. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm scared of, of everything under the sun, loud noises and, um, and, you know, public places and, uh, and social settings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. So, uh, I guess this hasn't been that bad for you then, Leo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Even, you know what? Even like this new job, like I'm now on Zooms regularly. Right, right. And I spent a year just being given a drive and turning in work. And emailing, and uh, and now I have to see people and talk to people, and it's like it's a new thing. It's a, it's something it's something that it's easy for an introvert to get really used to living in a vacuum, other than you know my family. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they already they already know exactly how terrible I am, so I don't have to I don't have to pretend to be okay in front of them anymore. <laughs>
1: Hmm. We'll be careful on the high ladders <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. so halfcocks playing a shriek fest uh sitting ducks is starting it's a uh, festival run I believe
2: yeah we just we just opened up at uh, we just uh, had oh, a runner at Channel blast and we won uh, best produced screenplay short oh awesome award there and now we're gonna be at film quest and horror movie freaks coming up in the near future
1: nice. Where can people follow you? You might've mentioned this before, but where can people follow you and
2: your stuff to see where it'll be playing? So first off, I invite everybody just to come and be my Facebook friend, please. I I like seeing that number and feeling like I actually have friends. And so that's Aaron Barokis on Facebook. Um, Not the kid from Texas, but but someone who looks like like me. And, um, and uh Anybody who wants can email me at the email address. And also, there's aronbarokas.com, which I, I'm no better at putting together a website than I am at, at composing music. So it is what it is. But uh, but you can contact me through there.
1: Excellent, very cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I can't interact with you
1: currently because I'm currently banned from from Facebook.
2: But uh, but, uh, are I'll you really? Yeah. For seven days. Seriously? Be back there because you have the most interesting Facebook feed. Well, I appreciate
1: that. But yeah, it's banned. And then, uh, and they banned my main account and then I made a new account all my other ones were banned, not to have a million, but and so then I made a whole new one and then I tried to post it there for a couple of days. And then it said to keep Facebook safe, this is banned too.
2: And I'm just a very dangerous person apparently. So. That's ridiculous, mm-hmm. but um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's happening to you. But in all honesty, I didn't know if you were like a for real person or, <laughs> if, or if your stories were were fabricated because like you're like, oh, well, I'm walking to the deli where I get free sandwiches every day from the guy. And I won the lotto there. And uh, and the woman behind the counter asked me on a date. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of know. mixed up a little
1: bit. But, but it is similar. <laughs> I, I, yeah, my friend Annabelle says I live in a Stephen King town because a lot of weird things goes on. But I think but it's, it's fun to, to write about mundane things, but make them. But a that's not mundane stuff. Free. No, it's it probably isn't. No, I actually did one hundred dollars last week on the on the dollar uh, free ticket that my buddy at the convenience store gives me a free ticket.
2: You see, that's like, and you've done that several times, yeah. In yeah. whereas. When I was 17 years old, which was in the 90s, and I won a Chicago's a Chicago Cubs ticket that I couldn't go to see off a Mountain Dew can, that was literally the high point of my life. Like I've been reliving that Mountain Dew can, <laughs> chasing that, that 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 dragon for years.
0: This and- is so sad, Aaron. We can't end the show like this.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's really cool. That stuff's not mundane. It's really cool that, like, uh, that you are having and documenting those experiences. And I feel bad that the avenue that you use for that has been taken away from you.
0: He, he'll be fine.
2: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just concerned about all my followers. I just
1: assume it's going to become like Lord of the Flies without you, have to you there. Stop. to. Uh,
0: this
1: <laughs> is <laughs> like, don't encourage them. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very cool. This is my favorite interview. No, seriously, it's been really fun, and I think
2: we should do this again sometime. Absolutely. That would be great. Yeah. So get uh, to work and make that we see you guys in person at some point. Yeah, and, yeah I uh, love
0: that. I'm sure absolutely. we will. We know so many of the same people.
2: And uh, and we'll definitely at some point probably have a, uh, a smash premiere or a... Um, once in future smash premiere that will, uh, that will be covered in depth by without. your head. <laughs> Yes, it will. Yeah. I've been hard at work this week as uh, living up. To,
1: I was just like, producer your name, but I've been getting people involved in the movie. So
2: it actually looked like you were doing it it work out. I, I guess giant banned off.
1: from Facebook. I, I, I have time <laughs> to, besides posting nonsense. So I can uh, actually do stuff that I'm supposed to be doing
2: but it honestly looked like it honestly looked like you guys did a phenomenal job with that first pre pandemic shoot as kind of terrifying as it is to watch all the crowds when you know that some of them probably at that point in time were sick, you yeah. know, because of when it happened,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: like, uh, but it really looked like you guys did a phenomenal job on that shoot. Well, I appreciate that. It was, a uh, it was
1: honestly a lot of, a uh, lot of harder work that not that I assumed it would be easy, but, Yeah, and um, got a lot of stuff done in three days. Yeah. Well,
2: thank you, guys. Thank you so much for for having me on. And this was a lot of fun. You guys are the best. I thought it was great.
1: (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. and not just because you hear it, Tristan. I really both. I uh, really liked the uh, sitting duck.
2: And half. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. That's really that's that's really cool because I didn't know what people were going to think about it because we rushed it. Like we cut the whole thing in a month. It's and really so,
1: it's, it's really fun.
2: It's I'm very glad. fun. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks.
1: And great performances. Well made everything around. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We'll see All you right. soon. Bye guys. Bye. From ancient terrors to
2: the search for modern-day conspiracies, The Tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the New World Order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we
0: should have listened! Sitting here on a lie!
2: Now we're gonna die! The Tomb of Nick Cage.
0: Mostly, the coming night! Mostly, the coming night! Mostly, the coming night! Mostly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. Okay.